good morning. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, I was standing outside just listening to everybody singing today. And I just realized, like, the Lord has blessed us so greatly. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, that we get to gather here. We get to be um, together as a family. Those that are gathering with us via our online platform, that's such a blessing. And I was reminded this morning just of the Lord's humor. We were joking about it in the lobby. Um, so several months ago when this whole COVID stuff started to rise, we were approached by somebody in our church and they offered to put us on 93.3, um, the radio station here in Columbus, secular radio station. And I was listening this morning and uh, just, it's like, man, how, how did the Lord work that out first off? But I was joking because a few weeks ago, I remember when I tuned in, it's always weird to hear yourself on the radio and you just kind of laugh. Uh, but Led Zeppelin was the opening worship song for our radio program a few weeks ago. And you're just like, that's all Jesus. And you just kind of have to sit back and laugh. And we've received emails from people um, that maybe work with the police department or the fire department or something like that. And they work night shift. And they've said, hey, we, we tune in on the way home on Sunday morning from working several hours before that. And so that's just, I, I'm excited. And I think that's incredible. And if you don't, something's wrong with you. But uh, Philippians chapter four is where we're going to be today. And uh, we're going to hopefully this morning, the goal is to close out this discussion on anxiety. And next week, we'll look at the, uh, the mental health uh, discussion of depression. And then we're going to move back into joyful, hopefully after that. I feel like the Lord keeps extending this conversation. And uh, I'm okay with that because I think it's helpful for those that have battled this or those that love somebody who has battled this as well. I think this is important for us to do. So uh, let's read together. If you'll stand with me, Philippians 4. We're going to read one verse. And then we're going to pray. Philippians 4, starting in verse 8, and it says this. Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Let's pray. Father, thanks again for your word for this day. Father, the privilege we have to gather, Lord, here physically, online, virtually. Thank you for the family that makes up what we call Living Hope Church. God, I pray now as we continue to wrestle through a very difficult uh, subject for many of us, that, Father, your spirit would just extend a little extra grace today. Father, that your spirit would dwell freely among this room this morning. God, would you give us ears to hear from you today, hearts to receive a word from you, and hands and feet to live this out as we're moving towards and chasing after Jesus with our entire being the rest of this week. Father, we're privileged to be in this room. We're privileged to gather around your word. Move among us freely, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to know if you've been in this similar scenario that I often find myself in. You're driving in the car down the highway with perhaps your spouse, perhaps your boyfriend, your girlfriend, maybe a, a friend of yours, and you've been driving down this highway. I, I'm, I think this might only happen to men, so you can tell me after service if this is true. But you've been driving down the highway for a little bit with your significant other. Perhaps you're just enjoying that long drive to wherever you're going, not talking too much, just enjoying the drive. And this happened to me a couple weeks ago. My wife looked over at me and she said these words. So, what are you thinking about? We hadn't talked for probably 10 minutes or so. I'm just trying to enjoy the drive, enjoying the, the process of getting to the destination. And she says, so, what are you thinking about? And 1,000% of the time, like I am not lying in this moment, I looked at her and I said, Nothing. <laughs> and she said, no, for real, like, like what, what were you just thinking about when we were driving? 
I said, babe, I'm being 100% serious with you right now. I said, I was literally thinking about nothing. There was blank space in between my ears. And honestly, I don't even know how we're safe right now because I wasn't even in this moment. Like, my brain was just gone. To this day, you can ask my wife after church today. She thinks I'm lying when I say that. I, I don't know. I just have this ability just to turn off my brain and think about nothing. Some people may call it a superpower. I don't really know. But the point of that little funny story is this is God has given us the ability to control what we think about. If you're a note taker, I'd write that down. God gives us the ability to control what we think about. You know, there's some things that as you're driving or you're sitting at home or you're at work or wherever you are, some thoughts that are going to, quote, randomly come into your mind and you're not quite sure where that thought came from. But in those moments and even apart from those moments, we have the ability to choose what we think about. Let me give you a prime example here. Right now, I want you to think of a dog. Right now where you're seated, just think of a dog. You see, there's two people in this room. There's those of you that are good at listening to instruction, and right now you're thinking of a dog. Maybe it's your dog, a friend's dog. Maybe it's a dog you saw walking somewhere. Maybe just picture some random dog. Then there's the other group of you in this room, like, I'm not thinking about a dog. You can't make me. I'm going to think about a cat. <laughs> Y'all, we're not even sure about your salvation, but cat people. But you're, you're, that's what you're, you're choosing right now in this moment to think about what you want to think about. Because God has uniquely wired us as human beings, I think it's part of the image of God we see in Genesis 2 and 3, to, with the ability to control our thoughts. And as we can clo close this discussion today on anxiety, remember we're doing this from a very biblical perspective from Philippians chapter 4. I want us to think about this third principle in our tool belt of how do we combat anxiety in our lives, and it's this. We need to learn to think about what we think about. That's so simple, but I think it's a very profound and life-altering truth for so many of us. We're going to break that down in Philippians 4 in just a moment. Let me catch us up here if you haven't been able to be with us, maybe you haven't been able to tune in online. We've been spending these last two weeks, this is week number three, on a very brief journey trying to understand what is known as this mental health crisis in our nation and try to couple that with the scriptures. What do the scriptures teach about this subject? We saw two weeks ago in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 that when God created Adam and Eve, he created them as physical and spiritual beings. Remember, he took the dust of the ground and then he breathed life or a soul into it. And now we're physical and also spiritual beings packed into one human body. We said two weeks ago that what's interesting about the person, about the human being, is the mind, the physical thing known as the brain, is also the intersection of the soul and the human. And because of that, because of this overlap, it makes the discussion of mental health so difficult if we don't frame it in properly. Because there will be times where there are physical problems that need to be dealt with, with physical solutions. Sometimes the mental health problem is a result of, of, of stress that has occurred. Or maybe it's a result of trauma or something along those lines. And so we said, biblically, you can make the case that there will be times where medication is necessary to help solve the physical issue. But for the Jesus follower, I don't want us to step away from the spiritual reality. Because while the brain is physical, there's also a spiritual element. The Puritans called this the ministry of the soul. And we want to make sure that as Jesus followers, we also try to do the soul work necessary to potentially correct this mental health issue. 
Last week we looked at anxiety, and rather than give a, a very like dictionary definition, here's what we said anxiety was. I love this. A thin stream of fear that trickles through the mind, that if encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. And last week, we gave you two principles of battling anxiety. Let me give us a quick summary of these. This is going to be last week's sermon in two minutes. You're like, why can't we do that every week? Because we can't, all right? Last week's sermon in two, two minutes. First off, we said we have to learn to reject anxiety. Jesus reminded us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, that we cannot let anxiety be the main definer of our lives. I cannot let anxiety be the decision maker or the defining marker of who I am. As Christians, we should never be okay with being anxious. That's not how Jesus created us. We don't lay down in defeat with anxiety. Rather, we reject it. That's not how God made me. The scriptures actually teach that my identity is in Jesus Christ, and the overflow from my identity is activity for Jesus. My identity is not my anxiety. That's just a battle that I fight. So if I want to fight anxiety, I root myself in Jesus and I let that inform the rest of my being. Here was our second one. We choose to pray. Jesus reminded us, Philippians 4, 6, that prayer is not a crutch for the Christian. Rather, it's a tangible solution to the anxiety issue. Verse 6, we saw that prayer actually helps reset our hearts and our affections back to Jesus. It puts him as the focus on our lives rather than this anxiety that I am fighting. Remember, if we choose as a Jesus follower to leave anxiety on the throne of my heart, it's a tough pill to swallow, but we're either guilty of blasphemy or idolatry in that moment. Idolatry says Jesus does not have the throne of my heart. My anxiety does. Blasphemy says I think God could do something about this, but he won't. You're rejecting the power of God. So we choose instead to pray, position Jesus back to his right place on our hearts and focus on him and not my anxious thoughts. Today, I want to give you our final principle, or our final tool. This is my favorite one personally. This has helped me so much and continues to do so as a Christ follower. And it's this. We said it a moment ago. You've got to learn to think about what you think about. Let's not forget this. Romans chapter 8 says that as, as Christ followers, we are now indwelt by the Spirit of God. And because of that, Paul says in Ephesians 4.23 that we can be renewed in the spirit of our minds. How does that happen? We learn to think about what we think about. We have the ability to pause, to ponder, to logically think, and then to recalibrate and reposition our thoughts back to the things of God. We're going to explain that more in a minute. But I want to do this real quick. I want to explain to you why this is biblical, and then I'm going to give you six questions you need to ask. Because sometimes when we think about this idea of thinking about what you think about, depending on your Christian background, this might freak you out a little bit. Calm down. We're okay. All right? We're a conservative Baptist church. If you didn't know that, chill out. We're going to be fine. All right? Let me, let me explain this. Here's why this freaks people out. Because of this whole movement of the power of positive thinking. You heard of this before? The power of positive thinking? That is not what we are talking about this morning. And I want to make that abundantly clear. Because... Thinking about what you think about is an incredibly biblical concept. I'm going to explain that to you in a second. The power of positive thinking, there's a Greek word for that. You ready for it? Garbage. Okay? <laughs> there's another Greek word for it. Baloney. Okay? Power of positive thinking is not something that we're talking about this morning. It's not something, as a Christ follower, you need to totally put your whole stake in that. that, that, that that's, that's not it. 
When we talk about thinking about what you think about, what I want to teach you to do today is to run your thoughts, your anxious thoughts, your daily thoughts through the filter of the scriptures to ensure that what I'm allowing between my ears is actually focused on Jesus Christ. To take what I'm thinking about and uh, think of it like a Brita water filter. I'm putting in these thoughts and I'm going to let that filter sift down through to ensure that I'm thinking about the right things. The power of positive thinking, I, the only way I could describe this is like putting lipstick on a pig. You've heard that phrase before. It's still a pig and it's still ugly. It doesn't work. That's the power of positive thinking. You can think all these grandiose things that you're amazing, you're wonderful, you're incredible. Stop it. We got to calibrate back to Jesus because he's amazing, he's wonderful, and he's grandiose. We're sinners that need a savior. His name is Jesus. And so I can think all these positive things about myself. And let's be honest, half the time they're not true. The only good thing in me is because Jesus is in me and he's changing my life. Everything good you see happening through me is because Jesus saved me back in 2003. Nothing good in me comes from Aaron. It comes from Jesus. That's what we're talking about. That wasn't in the notes, all right? So if that was, if that was bad, email Joe. He'll take care of you. Okay, goodness. So I want to show you why is this biblical. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. Is it really biblical to think about your thoughts? We have direction for this from the scriptures. Look at what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Why? Because it's spiritual. But they are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. So what do we do? We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And then here it is. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. Let me explain what's going on here in case you didn't catch all that Paul was saying. Paul said that you and I day by day were engaged in a spiritual battle each and every single day. And that in us and around us, there are going to be things that he says are raised up against the knowledge of God. Things that go against Jesus, contrary to who God is. One of those being anxiety. We could implant that here. You could put other things in this spot. Things that are opposed to God. Things that are not from God. We could plug so many things in here. So what does Paul say we do when those things are, quote, raised up against us? He says you have to demolish them. That's strong language. Paul doesn't say, no, nah, you just kind of be okay with it. Put your arm around it. Just journey through it together. No, no, no. He says we demolish those things. How? Look at verse 5 again in 2 Corinthians 10. He says we take thoughts captive towards Jesus. Any negative thought, an anxious thought, any idea, a false truth about myself, something that is not true around me that I've convinced myself is true, and I've got caught in this perpetual state of anxiety, any of those things, Paul says, demolish it. You get rid of it. If, if there's a building in town that needs demolished, what, what happens to it? It means you level it and you remove it. You don't leave part of it there. You don't only do half. You don't just throw a stone at it and say, well, that didn't do the job. You demolish it and you get rid of it. And Paul says, how do we do that? You think about what you think about. You take your thoughts and you reposition them back on Jesus. If it doesn't cause you to move towards Jesus, you destroy it. Let's look at another one. Matthew chapter 6. You say, well, I don't care what Paul said. I'm going to show you what Jesus said. Here we go. Jesus juke. You ready? Matthew 6, 25 and 26. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat and what you'll drink, about your body, what you will wear. 
Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26, consider the birds of the sky. Don't they sow or reap or gather into the barns, yet our heavenly Father feeds them? Aren't you worth more than they? You see, this verse is interesting to me because it's found right in the middle of the longest recorded message that we have of Jesus here, the Sermon on the Mount. And right in the middle of this message, Jesus just flat out confronts anxiety. Verse 25, like he's like, all right, y'all are dealing with this. We're about to talk about it here in just a couple verses. What's so funny to me, though, is in, in the previous 10 verses, so verses 15 through 24, is that Jesus tells these individuals in this crowd, he says, hey, you guys need to begin fasting. If you don't know what fasting is, that's abstaining from physical food uh, for an extended period of time in order to pray and pursue God. Baptists were terrible at this. I always tell the story, when I was like 17 or 18, I tried to fast for the first time in my life. I didn't eat for four and a half hours, and I walked straight into a wall. I'm like, oh, I'm not good at fasting. But Jesus tells this crowd of thousands of people, says, y'all, you got to learn to fast and pursue God. And then, well, this is so funny. Then in the second half of those verses, he says, oh, and by the way, you need to be more generous too. Give away your stuff to other people that need it more than you do for the sake of the kingdom of God. What does he tell them? You got to stop eating and give away your things. What's going on in this crowd right now? Jesus, we're going to be hungry and naked. What are we going to do? This sounds like Americans. If I tell you you can't have lunch today, you're going to freak out. It's like, dude, wait till dinner. You'll be fine. No, I won't. I'm going to starve. You need, to, you need to give to the poor. How could I do that, dude? I need my Starbucks five days a week. There's no way I could. These people were probably Americans. I don't know what's going on here. Joe, you got to stop letting me preach, man. My goodness. This group's freaking out. So what does Jesus say in verse 26? Chill. He uses the word consider. We know what that, that word means there. It means to pause, think, reflect on something. He says, y'all are just, you're letting your thoughts run wild. I told you to give and I told you to fast. And now just a couple verses later, two minutes hasn't passed and anxiety's rising up in the crowd and they're going, we're going to starve and we're not going to have any clothing and how are we going to drive anywhere and we're going to be homeless. Jesus, this is terrible. And Jesus says, hey, consider something with me. You see those birds out there? I take care of them. They're eating. They have a place to sleep. Don't you think you're more valuable than they are? You can almost see half the crowd going, daggone it. You're right. You're right, Lord. Sorry. And he transitions the conversation. Listen, it's very biblical. And Jesus encourages us to reflect on what we're thinking about. Because I do it too. My thoughts run wild. Anxiety rises up in my soul. And half the time what I'm anxious about is not reality. And so I have to pause and consider and reflect back on Jesus and who he is. Now, here's our second point for today, kind of our, our sub point. I want to give you some questions to ask. I want to teach you how to filter your thoughts. All right, this is a great practice for a Christian to develop. I think these are helpful tools here from Philippians 4.8 to help us move past anxiety in the spiritual realm. So when anxiety rises up in your soul, that small channel of fear, when that really starts to get cut out and you see all of your thoughts going that direction, I want you to use these questions, six questions. These are a tool for you to use to think about what you're thinking about in a very systematic fashion. And I want you to remember this too. We talked about this last week. Um, healing rarely, sometimes, but rarely happens instantaneously. 
And so for some reason, the Lord has allowed in the season that we're in as the church for healing sometimes to be a process that we engage in. That means that sometimes if you have anxiety rising in your spirit, that you're going to process through these questions in 30 seconds and you're going to go, well, I didn't solve my issue. Jesus must not work. Put in more work. Chase him on a deeper level. Ask the questions again. Journal your thoughts. Talk through it with a friend. Pray a little bit. You see, healing comes in a process that takes work that we have to engage in. And we said last week, if the fight for your soul is worth it, then the work will be worth it. We have to engage in the battle. Now, before we look at these six questions, I want, I want us to notice this too, and I, I'd never seen this in the scriptures. Philippians 4, 8, look at this. The very last portion. I think this is so important. Notice these four words that Paul uses. So he gives us all these things to, to, to think about, and then he says these four words. Dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. I don't typically do this, but I want us to see this here. The word dwell, that's, that's the Greek word, and this is so important. It's the Greek word where we get the English word logic. I want you to think about that for a second. Whatever is true, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is honorable, logic these things. Because what happens, and again, I've, I've, I've dealt with the anxiety issue in, in my past, and I still have to, to work through this personally. Nine times out of ten, when anxiety rises up in our soul, we are not logically thinking. You see, emotions, Jesus created us as emotional beings. That's a good thing. It allows us to feel it's what separates us from other animals in the world. We, we feel differently. But emotions can run wild. They can run crazy. That's typically where anxiety peaks, is when emotions run wild. And Jesus says, pause, consider, logically think. Step back. Write down your thoughts. Process through these things in Philippians 4.8. This is so important here. So I thought that was, that was helpful for us to think about. So six questions to ask yourself. We're going to breeze through these really fast. And I'm going to encourage you to go back and read through them on your own in these next, couple, uh, next week. First question I ask myself. When anxiety rises, that channel's being cut in my soul. Fear's trickling through. What do I ask myself? I have to ask myself, is this thought true? From Philippians 4.8. What's he say? Dwell on whatever is True. Anxiety often is driven by false ideas, false narratives, and unreal circumstances. I think this is going to happen to me. This might happen to me. If I do this, this is going to be the result. Jesus says, hey, you need to ask yourself a simple question. Stop, think, logically process. Is what I am thinking right now true? And often where anxiety drives you is a false destination. It's not true. I want to spend a moment on this one a little bit longer than our other five because I think this is important. We said two weeks ago that the reason anxiety is on the rise in our country uh, was, I believe it was like 40% of Americans suffer from anxiety on a daily basis. Uh, incredible amount of teenagers dealing with this. It's insane. Why is that? Because we have more access to information than any other human beings at any point in history. And the reality is that fuels our anxiety. Watch this. This blew my mind. Thursday evening, about 9.30, I got on my computer. I typed in a popular news outlet. I'm not going to tell you which one because you'll judge me. But I popped that in there. I opened my journal. I had my pen. I spent exactly two minutes, two minutes on the front page of a very popular news outlet. And I wrote down everything that would trigger anxiety if you spent two minutes on that news page. If you spent 10 minutes listening to them on TV. 
If you spent 15 minutes listening to them on the radio, here's what I wrote down. This is crazy. This is stuff, literally, articles on the front page of a popular news outlet. If you breathe on someone, they will die. The government wants to microchip you and your kids. You need to prepare yourself because this is going to be the worst fall ever that you've ever experienced in your lifetime. If your kids go to school in the next two weeks, they're going to get COVID. If they don't go to school in the next two weeks, they're going to be, be behind all the kids that did go to school. The government is currently establishing a task force to study aliens. That one went under the radar, didn't it? I saw that and I said, well, daggone. That's probably important. So I'm going to do a little more research on that. I'll keep you updated. I don't know why we need a task force for aliens, but apparently we do. That's just what we need is some guy's spaceship blowing up the earth right, right now, COVID and aliens. Goodness. Next one, if Trump wins the election, it's the end of America. He's getting political, calm down. If Biden wins the election, it's the end of America. Unrest in the Middle East is gonna cause the next world war, so you need to stock up and prepare yourself. Oh, by the way, they found a new plague in Africa. Get ready. Are you kidding me? The government is spying on you. I was thinking this morning, I was hollering at the Google Home in front of our church because it wouldn't play music. And I just read that, and I'm like, the government probably thinks this pastor's a moron. Because <laughs> when you all weren't here, I was screaming at it. Somebody was out there with me at one point. Goodness. All these crazy things. And to top it all off, Kanye West is now running for president. <laughs> and you step back. And some of those, like, thank goodness we can kind of put things in perspective, I think. But you read that and you're like, no wonder anxiety is running rampant in our culture. Nothing's positive anymore. We're just being fed and fed and fed so much negative. And Jesus reminds us here, Philippians 4.8, to simply ask, is what you are putting in your soul true? Pause and reflect is it true? You know what is true? And this is the good reminder for me. This is where we're going to get real Jesus and spiritual for a minute. Um, the word of God is true. So when the world is spiraling around us, the word remains consistent. Let's make sure we're consuming enough truth to counteract the things that are not true that we're putting into our souls. Stay heavenly minded in the midst of false narratives. Position your heart and your mind back towards truth so that your anxiety has nothing to cling to. You say, Aaron, but what if the thing I'm anxious about is true? Because that's going to happen. That what you're anxious about is 100% true. Go back to verse 6. You still can't be anxious. We're still not allowed to. Jesus said we can. So we got to go through the rest of our, our questions here. Here's our second question. Is what I'm thinking about honorable? Honorable. Verse 8, Jesus says this through Paul. Whatever is honorable, dwell on these things. That's a fun word there. It means to think about things that are lofty, majestic, and awesome. Paul said in Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. One commentator I was reading said that it means that we got to learn to get our, our minds out of the dirt and out of the gutter and back into the clouds. We consume so much negative that that's all we think about and that's all that is positioned around us. 
And so I have to ask the question in the midst of this, I have to say, is what I'm thinking about causing me to wallow in self-pity, despair, and complete hopelessness? And if it is, got to stop thinking about it. I got to position my thoughts back towards things that are honorable. Here's our next one. Is this thought just? Real quick here. Paul says, whatever is just, well, on these things, simple question is what I'm thinking about right. When I say that, I simply means this. Does what I'm currently thinking on and dwelling on reflect the heart of God or cause me to trust him even more? If the answer is no, I can't think about it. I got to move on from it. Number four, is this thought pure? Whatever is pure, dwell on these things. Does what I'm thinking about draw me closer to God or away from him? Does it draw me closer to God or more towards sin? Listen, let's, let's swallow another big pill here. Any anxious thought draws me away from Jesus. So I have to move back towards him by moving away those thoughts. That's what I have to do as a Christ follower. Number five is this thought lovely. Paul says, whatever is lovely, dwell on these things. Uh, I was thinking about this this week. If you're, a, if you're a beach goer, if you're a beach person, some of you all are mountain people, and we'll let you stay around here, but we don't like you as much. Um, but if you're a beach person, I love when I'm able to go to the beach with my family. And one of my favorite moments is the first Saturday that you're there. You get up right before sunrise, if, if you're normal, and you go down to the beach. You see the sun just barely coming up over the horizon, man. You see God's just handiwork being painted across the horizon. You can smell the salt in the air. You see, the beach just hits a little different than Ohio. You walk out in Ohio, like, smog. You know? <laughs> Go to the beach, you're like, salt, this is great, right? Man, the air just smells good. You feel the sand in between your toes. You hear the birds in the distance. The waves are crashing on the shore. And in that moment, just picture that. Maybe it's the mountains for you. I don't know how you do that, but maybe it's the mountains. In that moment right there, you take that deep breath of that salty air. That's lovely. That's what, that's what Paul's talking about here. It's that, that moment. That's what lovely means. It means something that to the depth of my being is so pleasing and so enjoyable. He says, is what you're thinking about lovely or is it disheartening and painful? Hey, here's our last one, number six. Is this thought commendable? Commendable, whatever is commendable, dwell on these things. That's a word that means, is it, is it worthy of praise? Is this a thought? Man, this was so, so convicting for me. Is this a thought that I would recommend somebody else think? Holy cow. Is what I'm thinking something that I would want somebody else to be thinking? I think about that for me personally with my two girls, eight and three. Is the anxious thought that I'm allowing to take root in my heart something that I would want my two little girls to think in their hearts? If the answer is no... I'm going to fight with every ounce of my being to remove that from my soul because I don't want my little girls to think these things. Do you see it there? What do we do with all of this? The simple reminder is this. If any of the answers to those is no, then Paul says we don't dwell on those things. It means I have to make the conscious decision and it takes work and it's going to be an uphill climb. It's going to be that two steps forward, one step backward kind of a battle. Paul says, I have to start to learn to close my mind off to those things and open it up to the things of God. I have to open it up to the reality that God continues to speak in his word. That's not a Christian answer. That's a true answer. That God continues to talk to his people through prayer. That's not a Christian answer. That's a true answer. 
that God continues to speak to his people through circumstances. That's not a Christian answer. That's a, that's a real answer. That's a Bible answer. That maybe I need to be careful what I surround myself in in my circumstances. And I need to get around things that are going to bring lovely, life-giving, honoring, pure thoughts to my soul. I have to surround myself with other believers who are going to lift me up. Why? Because God speaks through his church. I was talking to somebody in our church a couple weeks ago. We need less sympathetic Christians and more empathetic Christians in the local church. Sympathy says, oh, I understand. Empathy says, I'm going to lock arms with you and walk through this together with you. we got too many sympathetics and not enough empathetics in the local church. We need more empathy. We need people to lock arms with each other where we're honest enough when we say, I have so much darkness in my soul right now, and I'm not sure how I get Jesus back on the throne of my heart. We need people that are willing to walk through these questions together, journey together, lock arms together, and live together for the glory of God to defeat anxiety, replacing anxious thoughts the mind of Christ. Learning to logically, logically, that's our word, dwell on the right things. Jesus equipped us to think about what we think about. And I love the promises here in verse 7 and verse 9. When we do this, and it takes time, and it's a process, and it's a journey, and it's a battle, what's he say? Not only, look at this, verse 7, the peace of God will be with you. Man, that's a good promise. But look at verse 9. See, in verse 7, we get the peace of God. In verse 9, we get the God of peace. One's awesome. One's so much better. You can have all this world. I want Jesus. I don't just want the overflow. I want Jesus. That's what I want. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word for this day. Father, for Paul's writings here in Philippians, God, thank you so much that you inspired your servant to write these timeless truths to continue to encourage your church nearly 2,000 years later. God, and in what can be seen as, uh, Lord, a continually difficult task, Lord, anxiety, it's not something we want to take lightly. God, I pray that again, that you'd give us a little extra grace today. Father, give us a little more fight today. Father, a, a little more grit to battle and to fight for the glory of Jesus, to pursue who you made us to be. God conformed to the image of Christ, as Ephesians 1 talks about. Equip your church, Lord. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. <laughs>